One of the things that I've always thought is, especially for junior high, high school, college age, there are always exit ramps. And I'm telling you guys, uh, the whenever, the whatever, the wherever, and you're thinking, yes, yes, I'm in, I'm going to do this. I'm telling you, there are exit ramps. And here's the first one. You know what the first exit ramp is? What would you guys say? 16. 16 years old. Why is 16 years old an exit ramp? You can drive. No longer is mom and dad taking you places. You have freedom. And I'm not kidding. And, and you will notice, and maybe you, you have already noticed this, but your friends who are following the Lord, maybe when they were in, in, in middle school, junior high, even freshman, sophomore, they were passionate about following the Lord. They were there every Wednesday night. They were, they were there every uh, prayer night. All, all those things. They get that car, and what happens? Freedom. And with that freedom comes also the opportunity to make money. And so now you have a job, and so you have freedom. And, and so you, you get this car, you get this job, and, and man, it's starting to, man, it, 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 it tastes good, right? The next, the next exit ramp that's possible for a Christian, right, for a young man or a young woman, is you graduate high school. You graduate high school. And, and for some of you guys, it is that, it's that first job after you graduate high school. For others, you are going to college. And some of you guys are going to move away to college. And so who is no longer lording over you? Mom and dad. Mom and dad. And, and, and man, you've been looking for the, forward to this for years. And, and so, yeah, you're peacing out, right? Yeah, peace out, right? And so uh, you are going off to college. And I'm telling you guys, you know what this is? It's an exit ramp. It is an opportunity for you to take a, a, an exit off of following God. And so then the wherever, whenever, whatever. You know why it's getting harder? Because now you have opportunities. When you don't have opportunities, and I'm sorry, but for those of you who are living at home, and maybe you don't even have a car yet, or maybe there, there's limitations, it's easy to say whenever, whatever, wherever. Why does the Bible talk about the rich man and the difficulty of him following after Christ? Because he has a ton of resources. Because he's got everything he needs. For the person who has nothing and they go, God, whatever. Well, yeah, <laughs> whatever. You guys get where I'm going with this? And so all of a sudden you're in college and you're with your friends and, and now you're kind of the only one who's following God. And it's getting a little harder and, and the support structure, the protection that you had, it's kind of missing. And so guess what? Off to the side, you see exit, and you're tempted to do that. And maybe you're, you, you get through college, and, you, and you're part of Bible studies in college, and you're doing that thing, and you know, you, you, you've uh, moved away, and you actually still are following the Lord, but you know, this is the next exit ramp, and the exit ramp's coming closer, and guess what? It's her. Yeah, she's, she's something, right? And, and, and she's a Christian. And she's a believer, but, but that, that, there's this exit ramp, and, and, and it's, this, it's this beautiful woman, and, and, and you're going to get married, right? And so you have this, and you guys are thinking, man, I'm not even there yet. And you're all thinking about it. You're all thinking about it. I know when I was in high school, man, I couldn't. Oh, man, I can't wait, man. That'd be so awesome. Really, all I was thinking about is having sex. That's the only thing that I really cared about. Now, you might think, oh, I just want to spend the rest of my life with this person. Man, you're a liar, right? Don't. I'm smarter than that, so please don't don't you know try to make me seem like I'm an idiot. Now I am an idiot, but not about that. 
so you get married, and, and man, there's, and there's this opportunity. And maybe after you graduate from college, you get married. Now, man, you're not talking about, you're not working at Chick-fil-A, right? We're working, you got a real job, right? Do you work at Chick-fil-A? Oh, okay. I was going to say, man, that's a good company. <laughs> Who works at Chick-fil-A? Yes. No offense. No offense. Great job, but not a real job. No, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. So, so you get married, you graduate from college, and all of a sudden, we're not talking about twelve fifty an hour. We're not talking about fifteen dollars an hour. We're talking about a salary. And you're thinking, okay, right? Okay. And, and you're kind of you're kind of excited about this, and and you got this family, and you got this job, and now you can actually you know actually really take your wife out to a place, or you know you can you can buy a, a house. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Come on now. Thank you. Someone's listening. Right? And you know what this is? This is God's blessing, which can easily be turned into what? An exit ramp. And so I just want, I want you guys to think about that as we go forward. It has nothing to do with what I'm going to talk about. But, but I, I felt led as I, I walked in as, as what he was ending with because I'm telling you guys – whether it's 16, whether it's when you graduate, whether it's when you go to college, whether it's when you get married, whether it's when you have kids, you get that first job, you get that nice house, you get the pets, and all these things are just kind of pulling at you, right? And they're keeping you back from the whenever, the whatever, the exit ramps, exit ramps. And you guys say, no, 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 Dan, it's not going to happen to me. I'm telling you guys right now, I'm looking at a room this size, and I will split it not in half, but probably down to 10 to 15%. You know why? Because the exit ramps, they get more and more seductive. And the mission of God, although important to you, is not the thing of your life. It's not the one thing that fuels every decision of where you live, of who you marry, of what job you have, of what schooling you go to. All these things, it doesn't matter. The only thing that's your focus is I've got to serve God with my life. But I'm telling you what, those exit ramps, and you're looking at me now and you're thinking, no man, I got it. It's cool. Watch. Just watch. Watch. And you're going to be looking around for those of you who do make it through those X-Rams. And you can you continue following God on God's highway, right? You continue following God and you stay with him. You're going to look around and you know what it's going to be? Lonely. I'm just being honest with you. I'm just being honest with you. And you're going to look around and you're going to think, surely not this person. Surely not. Jeff, am I right? Surely not. That It could... I would have never thought, and here's the, here's the worst thing about it. It's not that they're like falling into deep sin. And for most of you guys, you're not going to fall into deep sin. You know what it's going to be? This is, what, this is my term. You're going to be called the PTA uh, Christian. You're going to be the PTA parent Christian who is a good moral Christian and you listen to K-Love and you do all the good things and you're raising your kids in a good home and you're, t- you're sending them to private Christian school and man, the, your kids are going to go to hell. Because your morality doesn't do it. And you're this PTA Christian who is so locked in with the world. No, I'm not. I, I love you. You are so embedded that you have this umbilical cord, right, that is tied back to the world. 
when really you should have severed it a long time ago. Right? Okay, so anyway, that was free. Okay, so we're beginning the mission school, right? Pastor Trotter always already was here following him. Really encouraging for me. Thank you, Lord. Appreciate that, Jeff. Thank you. Okay, so are you prepared to receive some instruction today? Are you, are, are you prepared? Not just to be motivated, but to receive some instruction. Now, I, I, what? how long did I... Does it go? Are you sure? Okay. You guys fall asleep, I will stop. Okay, please don't. That's, that would be really hard for me. I don't have a high self-esteem already, so... Are you guys ready to actually receive of the Lord, though? Yes. Okay, good, good. Okay, so let's not just go through the motions today. And here's the thing. I want you to know this. Every day, you know, do you know what's happening? Every day, you are making choices. Every day of your life becomes a choice that you've made. You're like, well, I don't know if I make... Every day you make a choice. You will either be a person who responds to the call of God on your life, or you will be the person who accomplishes little for the kingdom of God. That, that is the, the baseline decision that you're making right now. You are making a choice, and you will either make the choice today to accomplish much for the kingdom of God, or you will make the choice today. You are making a choice, mind you, though. You, you are making the choice to accomplish little for the kingdom of God. Matthew 9, 29. I, I should have it on the board. Thank you. you got to pay attention, man. Come on now. Stay with me. Matthew 9, 29 says, According to your faith, be it unto you. Proverbs 25, 11, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pitchers of silver. This verse puts as much responsibility on me as it does you. I pray that not only my words, that they would be edifying to you, but that you'd be ready and willing to receive them. Are you ready? You with me? Okay, stay with me, man. Come on now. Stay with me. Don't be falling asleep. I haven't got started. Isaiah 50, verse 4. The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned. Is this you? Is this you? The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning. He wakeneth my ear to hear as the learned. Here's the, here's the deal, guys. Are you this guy? Is this you? Are, are, is that you right now? When I ask this question, is this you as a believer? Do you long to be the person who is able to speak a word in season to him or her that is weary? Now, some of you guys, Jeff asked the question, who is, is currently in a Bible study? Right? And, and, and a number of you guys said, yes, I'm in a Bible study outside of my, my, my core group or my, my Wednesday or Tuesday night Bible study that's at church. I'm in a Bible study at my school or with my family and friends, whatever that is, right? And so you say, yes, I'm, 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 I'm doing those things. But I'm telling you, you guys with me? You guys listening? Do you long to be the person, right? As Isaiah 50, 50 verse 4 says, do you long to be the person who can speak a word in season to him that is weary? Don't you want to be that guy? Don't you want to be that woman? That, that when, you, when you see hurt, when you see pain, that you're not to say, well, uh, um, I'll pray for you or, or uh, I'll, I can get the pastor to talk to you. 
Don't you want to be that, that man or woman that says that, that I want to relieve you of this burden. I want to speak a word in season to those who are weary. I want to pray and then we're going to get started. Father, we thank you for today and I, I ask that you please give me the words to say that would be uh, edifying, honoring to you. And I pray, Lord, that we would be able to, to grasp some new material and that it would be um, able to be received. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much, Father. Amen. Okay. Today I'd like to do, introduce to you... Are you guys taking notes? You are taking notes. Good job. Thank you. I see, I see some note takers. That's good. You guys should take notes. That's, health, that's really healthy. Okay. Here's the deal. I'm wanting to introduce to you a study that does two things. This is going to be an evangelical study and an equipping study. It is an evangelical and equipping, and it's called From Creation to Christ. This is the Creation to Christ study. It's intended to do two things. Number one, deliver the complete story of the gospel. Say it with me. The complete story of the gospel. Okay, we are wanting to give the complete story of the gospel to the lost. Now, you're like, well... I can do that. Okay, well, stay with me, right? What I'm talking about is providing a contextual framework. Now, that sounds really fancy, right? And so don't get lost on it. To provide a contextual framework for the gospel. Now, what does that even mean? What I mean is, is this. How can you deliver the complete story of the gospel? I want, I want feedback. How do you deliver the complete story of the gospel? Thank you. Creation of Christ, yes. Good answer. How do you give the... You know, you're thinking, he's tricking us. I'm not trying to trick you, right? But how do you give the complete story of the gospel? I mean, after all, what is the gospel? Uh-oh. What is the gospel? The good news. The good news. This is good. That's actually a good answer. The other one was smart aleck. What, what is the good news? What is the gospel? Come on, guys. Salvation. Okay, the gospel is salvation. What does that's, that mean? That's the good news. So. Okay, what is salvation, though? Uh-oh. Getting a second chance. Uh-oh. Getting a second chance? Huh? Giving your life to Jesus. Giving your life to Jesus. Okay. Okay, salvation. What is the gospel? I don't, know the, I don't know what that means, though, by the way. I'm just being hard on you now. What is the gospel? What is, I've given my life to Jesus. What does that even mean? You're going to serve Huh? He's my Savior. Right? What, I, I heard someone. You're going to serve who? Him? Who's him? Jesus. Jesus. You're going to serve him. So I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm going to serve him. Why? He saved me from hell? Says who? God. Where did he say it? In the Bible. In the Bible? Where? Oh, God. John. Huh? John 3.16. I was waiting for John 3.16 to come out. There you go. Okay. But jo okay, John 3.16. What does that mean? Now you guys are like, what is he trying to do? What I'm trying to do is ask real questions. I'm trying to ask real questions that, guess what? Lost people have real questions that people that aren't going to church, that don't know Jesus, that aren't reading the Bible, that don't know John 3.16, and if they do it, it's because they're watching a football game, right? 
I'm telling you guys, we have to know the gospel. We have to have our head around what the gospel is. All of your answers were, were right. But here's the deal. This is what Creation to Christ aims to deliver. It's just a simple study that has passages listed out. This is the goal, to provide a contextual framework for, by which the gospel can now be readily received. You guys with me on this? Okay. So we talked about what is the gospel. Why, why the gospel? You guys said to save us from our sins, which is absolutely right. You see, a study of this nature is intended to bring us closer to truly understanding the gospel. That is what creation of Christ is. And so I'm not trying to, guys, listen, I'm not trying to get you guys all to do this, but I'm telling you, if you, after this mission school, are interested in saying, man, I want to be a part of a Bible study at my school. I want, I want, I want to do a Bible study with my family, with my friends, I, I, but I don't know how to get started. That's what this is. I'm trying to give you the tools right now. Jeff is going to give you the tools uh, tomorrow on how to successfully, even just beginning it, start a Bible study. And the first thought is, I have no idea how to do that. I get it. But I'm telling you guys, go do it. You know, when I was 12, I started going to a jail ministry. I started going to a jail, not like kids, not like a detention center, adults. I was a 12-year-old. I probably weighed like 85 pounds, okay? Um, and little, little squeaky kid, right? And I didn't know what I was doing. And I was teaching messages from my pastor whenever I was given the opportunity to teach. I would just copy what he said, and I'd be like shaking and trying to say it. But as a 12-year-old, I started going to this jail ministry, and I, I did that for eight years. When I was 14, I went to El Salvador, right, to, to, to go on a, on a mission trip. Okay, what's my point? Do you think I, I had it all figured out? I was a knucklehead. More than I am now, right? I, I had no clue what I was doing. But guess what? You know what I was willing to do? I was willing to do this. Okay, God, you're still with me. I was willing to step out in a place that felt very uncomfortable and I had no ability and the power of my flesh to do it. And what I'm calling you guys to, to do as well is be willing, be willing to start a Bible study with your friends. Be willing to be a missionary at your own schools. Be willing to be a missionary at, at, your, at your job that you have after school. All of those things. Be willing to be a missionary to your family and say, hey, I'd like to study the Bible with you. Right? Now, for those who claim to be followers of Christ, for those of us who claim to be followers of Christ, the creation to Christ study equips us to more fully know God's redemption story for man. But for others, right? So, so one aspect of the creation to Christ is to fully know the gospel. And it's to fully know what God's redemption story is for man. What, what does redemption mean? Redemption. Okay, that, that's that's that'd be grace, right? That'd be grace, or you know, we could even say mercy in some ways. What does redemption mean? Yeah. To like pay for something. Okay, redemption. What would what would we see? Another way of saying redemption to redeem. to redeem. So to pay for something. Right? And so God's redemption story, God's payment story culminates in the cross, right? In Christ. 
Okay, so here's the deal. Some of you guys know that. But for others, maybe you grew up religious. And I want to be serious with you guys right now. Maybe you grew up religious. Maybe you didn't. Possibly you've gone to church your whole life, but you never have made the personal decision to accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I'm praying that you today will know him as your Redeemer. Know him as the one who paid the price. You see, becoming a Christian is not based upon what your parents did while you grew up. Becoming a Christian is not based upon what your parents did. How many of you guys have parents who, who go to church with you? Right? It's a good number. Okay? But here's, here's the risk of that. You're like, well, that's me. Pastor, my parents are, are both saved, and I go... I'm telling you guys, those of you who have grown up in the church, you're at the greatest risk. You're at the greatest risk. Why do you think so? Because my parents are always there. And so, well, well son, don't be, don't be worried about the fact that you know, you're, you're thinking maybe you're going to go to hell. You prayed to accept Christ when you were six. And so sometimes we can, we can then, allevi- our parents alleviate the burden of whether or not we truly know the Lord. And so we grow up and guess what? We're good. We're good with Jesus. But maybe you've never made the personal decision to follow Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Guys, you can make that right today. Maybe the person that brought you, maybe your parents, maybe one of the counselors that are here today. Man, this is, this is one of the worst things, guys. I'm telling you this right now. Well, I grew up a Christian. I've always been saved. Is that, is that true? Is that biblical? None of us have always been saved, and none of us grew up a Christian. In fact, we grew up separated from God forever. At some point, and I want you guys to get this down. Am I losing you? Are you still with me? Yeah. Okay. Just tell me. Or, or, well, please tell me. Yeah. If I've lost you, you're not going to. You're going to be like, whatever, man. At some point, we must be confronted with the fact that we are sinners, separated from God. This is one of the paramount first truths that I want you guys to get. I want you to get this. At some point in your life, and I'm telling you, even as a Christian, you have to be reminded of this. At some point, we must be confronted with the fact, and that's what your friends have to be confronted with the fact as well, that at some point in your life, you've realized that, guess what? I am a sinner. And that right now, I am separated from God. This is the, this is the origin of the Creation to Christ study or series, is that what you are wanting to do is help people realize not just hey, do you want to accept Jesus as your Savior because He loves you? Right? It's not just that, but it's that, hey, brother, hey, friend, hey, sister, right? You right now are lost in your sin, and I want to explain this to you, and that you are separated from God in your current state. We'll get into that. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither His ear heavy that it cannot hear. Verse 2, what does it say? But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Too often, Christians, we speak of being saved or born again, but we fail to communicate what that means. We fail to communicate when I say, well, I'm born again. What does being born again mean? What does being born again? I'm born again. I'm saved. What does being saved mean? 
I have eternal life. What are you saved from? If you say I'm saved from something, you're saved from hell. What else? Okay, so if I'm saved from hell, does that mean that salvation is a gift into heaven? Yes. Is that what is that what salvation is? Now I'm thankful that I'm going to go to heaven, and so I'm not saying that's not a part of it. Okay, that, that's a part. That's, that's a big one, right? But I'm telling you, what are you saved from? Eternal eternity in hell? That's that's. I'm not trying to downplay that. What is your salvation from? The crux of the matter. Separation. Separation from God forever. And see, it's hard for us to get our head around that because we're thinking of, well, I want to, I'm saved now and I'm saved from hell. But really what we are now is we're saved from being eternally separated from a loving God. And, and what's hard for us in our finite brains right now is to understand that that would truly be the worst thing to ever happen to you in your eternal life. With the soul that you have, to be separated from a loving God forever would truly be the most damnable thing to ever happen to you. Well, you say, well, I accepted Christ as my Savior. Well, what, what does that mean? And, and again, I, I'm not, I know what all these things mean, but I'm trying to get you guys to think. I'm trying to get you to think when you go to school, what do these, what do these concepts mean? One of the primary motivations of this series is not only to lead people, all of us closer to Christ, but to show first and foremost that we are all lost without him. That is one of the primary uh, uh, issues of this, of, this, um, of this study. Key point number one is this. To be saved, we must first realize we're lost. To be saved, we must first realize we're lost. Romans 3, 23 <clears throat> For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, creation of Christ is not only evangelical, but secondly, it is also an equipping and edifying agent to help deepen our faith in understanding the full story of the gospel. Because here's the deal. Without sin, without sin, and you're like, well, I know that I'm a sinner, and even my friends know that they've sinned. Guys, here's the deal. Without sin, there is no need for a Savior. And so I'm saved. I'm born again. If, if your friends don't realize that they are lost, there is no need for a savior. And you're like, well, I talked to them and they know they've done wrong, but they don't know that they're lost. We, we have to convince our friends and our family that they are lost and that they are separated from God forever unless they accept the free gift of salvation, which is Jesus Christ. How do you get someone there? Too often we want to start with Romans Road, and I'm not against that process, okay? God will give you, by His Holy Spirit, uh, divine inspiration on how to handle that. But I'm telling you, for many of our friends and family, we can't just start with John 3.16. We can't just start with Romans Road. We need to begin to show them, right, from creation to the cross, why they are lost. And that's what this Bible study does. Without man's falling away from sin, there is no need for a Savior. There's no need for God's redemption work or his reconciliation to man. So when you ask someone if you want to give their life to Christ and be saved, do do you want to get saved? Do you want to give your life to Christ? Most people have no way to grasp the severity of a question like that, and they can easily dismiss it. Do you want to get saved? Do you want to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? And in a flippant manner, they say, no, I'm good. Do you guys follow this? 
In a flippant manner, they say, no, I'm good. In your heart, what, what, are, you, what are you thinking? How in the world can you reject the gospel? Aren't you guys? Now, for those of us who are saved, Kate, isn't it difficult to say, how can you so flippantly reject the Savior of the world? You want to know why, guys? Because they don't understand that they're lost. And they don't understand the context of the gospel. They don't understand that they are deeply separated eternally from a loving God. For the lost, they didn't grow up reading the Bible. And we can't assume that they know the stories. In fact, what creation to Christ presupposes is that they don't know the stories. And that they don't care about Romans. They don't care about what Paul said. And they don't care about John 3.16. And yeah, Jesus was a cool dude. In fact, I think he was probably perfect or, or even never sinned. They, they accept these things. And I love his teachings. He's a wise rabbi. But they have no understanding as to why they must submit their lives to Christ. So let's cut to the chase. Creation to Christ doesn't begin with the cross. It, it doesn't begin with John 3.16. Romans Road, although incredibly powerful comes a little later. It doesn't just begin with the fact that Christ died for you. It begins with the fact that there is one true God. And this is where we look at our, at our uh, little picture notes for a little bit if you want to. It begins with the fact that there is one true God. You are wanting to convince this person through a Bible study of this single reality before you assume they want to honor him. I, I can't assume that someone wants to put their faith in God if I don't even know if they believe in him. Let's be honest, guys, in our, in our education that we're receiving right now, every day the concept of evolution or the denial of the existence of God becomes more rampant. And so if we really want to consider this, and you're just going to jump to the fact, hey, um, you want to put your faith and trust in Christ? People have prayed that prayer and been evolutionists. People have accepted Christ and not believed in God. You're thinking, what? Yes. Yes. Uh, in Spain, we had a, a missionary friend of ours. They would say that, that Catholics, right, would be Catholic, and they'd, they'd know the story of the gospel. They'd know the cross. They'd know the crucifixion, all that. And you know what? They were evolutionists. They didn't even believe in God. Now wrap your head around that. You guys, you guys follow me with this? We're in a time right now where we can't just assume that everyone believes that there's the one true God. And so that's where one of the first studies does. Secondly, the passages that make up the creation to Christ study demonstrate fully not only that there is a God, but that he created not only man, but all of creation. And then a horrible thing happens in Genesis chapter 3. Man falls away from God. In this moment, man loses his innocence before God and inherits a sinful nature. And so after Adam's sin and Adam's fall, we have now all been born sinners. I'm not a sinner because I sin. I sin because I'm a sinner. You guys missed that. You guys missed it. I am not a sinner because I sin. I sin because I'm a sinner. I have inherited this sinful nature from being born. From being born. And you need to know this. From the beginning of time, God's plan of redemption was found in Christ. From the beginning of time. Acts 15, 18 says, Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. God is not crafting his plan as he goes along. He has known it from the very beginning. This is what we're trying to get at with teaching a Bible study in this format. 
We want to walk a person through. You want to walk a person through. If you're going to use this creation to Christ study format, you want to walk this person through significant parts of the Old Testament and the New Testament so they can fully see the relevance, not just that God has redeemed them, but the relevance of God's redemption story, which culminates with Christ. Christ dying on the cross was not plan B. How much time do I got? Okay. Go to the next verses real fast. Ephesians chapter 3. We don't have time to uh, talk about this. Ephesians chapter 3. You want to write that down? Uh, 1 1 through 3, 5 through 6, and then verse 9. This is my point in, in giving you those verses. It's from the very beginning of time, Christ was the answer. You see, there's a story and plan of redemption, and God has slowly been telling it to us for millennia, and it began, as many stories do, how? In the beginning, right? In the beginning. So if this is the case, if God Almighty started his story with in the beginning, how do you believe you should start your story when you are trying to tell someone about Jesus Christ? How should you start your story? If God Almighty started his story with, in the beginning, and in the beginning he is telling his redemption story to us, and he's slowly been unfolding it for us throughout the centuries and the millennia, how should you, in a very short amount of time, also tell the story of the gospel? Guess what? In the beginning. In the beginning there is a God. In the beginning he not, he not only created you, but he created this whole universe. And why is that important? Why is it important for us to acknowledge that God is our creator? You want to know why? Because we are accountable now to a being that is greater than us. I am now accountable and I am under now a most powerful being that can control my whole life. You guys get where I'm going with this? And so we must start at the beginning. That's what the Creation of Christ series does. Warren Wearsby says this, the sacrificial death of his son was not an accident, it was an appointment. Now let's backtrack a little bit, if you will. I want to ask you a question. You guys ready? Why did God make man? Genesis 1.1, it says, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and Genesis 1, uh, you know, 26 through 28, we see God's making of man. Chapter 2, we see it focusing on man. Why did God make man? So he could have a relationship with us? He made us for his pleasure? So we can follow him. So we can follow him? Yeah, he's good. To praise him. To praise him. Uh-oh, we're getting closer. What are you going to say? Okay, good. Okay, so, so, so we can follow him. So we can praise him. So we can worship him. So we can have a relationship with him. Why did God make man? Those are such good answers, guys. And here's the deal. When we look at this, and we don't have time to get into the details of this because I know I'm running late. Why did God create man? Let's backtrack. Can we go back? Who was the anointed cherub? Who, and now you're like, uh-oh, he's getting weird now. Yeah, I am. Who was the anointed cherub that was over all of worship to God? Lucifer. Lucifer. Lucifer means light bearer, right? And so we have Lucifer, who's the light bearer, And he got lifted up with pride. Why? Because God's glory, God's glory is shining through him. 
He's the most beautiful of cherubims, right? And so God's glory is showing through him, and he's thinking, wow, I am awesome. When in reality, what's happening? He is simply a reflection of God's glory. Boy, that's a study that you could get into. So Lucifer, though, as pride is lifted up with him, Isaiah chapter 14, uh, Ezekiel 20, 28. Am I getting those backwards? Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28. Okay. When you look at these two different passages, right? And, and you guys could write that down. Right? When you look at these two different passages, we see that there was this cherub and there's this angel who was beautiful because God's glory was shining through him. But pride gets lifted up in him, and Satan does what? Satan falls, and with him a third of the angels fall. So here's the question, guys. Why was man created? You guys already gave me the right answer, but I, again, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to put it into context so we can understand. Why does God want to have a relationship with man? Why does God expect our worship and our, and our honor and our praise, which is exactly the answer? Why does God want to do those things? Because there was a steward, there was a steward that was over worship that got lifted up with pride and said, Peace out, God. I'm going to rule just like you. I will be just like you. I will raise my throne above you. You guys get what's, what's happening? And so, guess what? Stage right enters man. And God says, Out of dirt, I will have something that will praise me better than you. You guys want to start? Now, this is getting a little deeper than what you probably would with a creation of Christ story. But this is the significance of a study that starts with Genesis. And we have to start asking the question, why was man created? It goes beyond our birth, our creation. And it goes to a time when the angel, Lucifer, defied God. And the worship of God was decimated from him. And God says, no, I'm not going to have that. And so enter man, he says, I'm going to have man worship me. Man is going to give me praise. Man will walk with me. Man will follow me. Man will obey me. Do you guys get where I'm going with this? That was the whole purpose of man. And so God didn't just make man on a whim. It wasn't just an arbitrary decision. And guys, unfortunately, this is where a lot of the Calvinists get, get hung up. They don't have a right framework for this. And that's another story another day. But here's my point. You were not just made because God was like, Let's make people. <laughs> but you know what? A lot of us don't know how to answer that question, do we? A lot of us don't have a real idea as to how to answer that question. God made you so that you would praise him. So now, when we start in this study, and you're, and, and, you, and you're looking with that context, that God made me so that I would praise him, now you can talk to your friends, your family, uh, even your friends at work, and you can say, God made you so that you would praise him. I'd love to walk through a study with you to show you that. And guess what happens in Genesis chapter 3? Dun, dun. Right. The fall of man. Man falls away from God. But here's the great thing about the creation to Christ series. Is that from that point on, God is showing to us. Genesis 3.15. The first prophecy that's messianic in nature. right? The first prophecy of the whole Bible. Right there in Genesis 3.15. God says, I'm making a plan. And he already made a plan, actually. From the very beginning of time, he had a plan to restore man back to him. This is the Creation to Christ series. And what it does is it unfolds God's redemption story all along. All along. I think I have key point two. I already said it. But our creation comes with great purpose and significance. 
We were not created on a whim, but rather man was created to bring glory and honor and praise to God. This was not an arbitrary decision on God's plan, on God's part. I want to close with this, and thank you for giving me so much time. I appreciate it. Here's the deal, though, guys. The goal of looking through these passages, and, and I, you guys have the handout. The goal of looking through these passages is to be able to walk someone from God's creation all the way to their need of, for Christ, the Redeemer. And I want to say that in five minutes. I want you to be able to tell someone in five minutes. You're on the elevator, and, you're, and you have that one opportunity, and you're looking to share the gospel with that person. Listen, guys, we want to start with the point of God wants all of us to worship and praise Him. But yet we've, we've fallen away from Him. Right? But God wants to redeem us. Okay, even if it's a five-minute conversation. What if it's a one-hour conversation? What if it's a, you having lunch at Chipotle with a friend? Maybe it's a one-month conversation. Maybe it's a six-month conversation. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm telling you guys, it's just a tool. This is just a tool, a set of passages. There's, actually, if you look at both of these, they're different. Different people have different ways of doing the Creation of Christ series. Maybe you look at these 26 passages and you say, man, there's five of them that I could really, I could really you know, sit down and, and work through. Then do those five. Then work through those five. I want to close with this real fast. When you open a book, what, what's a cool book that everyone's reading right now? Is that, do you guys even read books? Harry Potter. Harry Potter? Is that still big? Always. Okay, okay. I'm not trying to insult anybody. Let's just say Harry Potter. Is there anything else? Lord of the Rings. What? Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Okay, Lord of the Rings. Perfect book. Lord of the Rings. Okay, so I'm, I'm reading Lord of the Rings and Saruman pops up. Am I saying that right? No? Solomon. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so do, when you read Lord of the Rings, not watching the movie, but when you read Lord of the Rings, do you pop the middle of the book and go, whoa, what is this about? Where do you start? You start in the beginning. Right, or when you're, you know, uh, watching a, a sport or a game. Now, maybe you're like Jeff who doesn't want to watch the game, right? But, like, I like to watch the game. But, man, you don't want to just start in the middle and be like, oh, wow, we're losing. You're, you want to see how it unfolds, right? You want to see how, how this thing unfolds. I don't just open Lord of the Rings up and say, wow, this is weird. But guess what we're doing with people that don't know Jesus? We're opening the book up right in the middle and we're saying, hey, this is why you need to accept Jesus as your Savior. And if you don't, you're going to hell. Any questions? <laughs> Now, is that a reality? Is that a reality? It absolutely is a reality. But we have to put it in ways that people can take it in. And if we can't take it in, if we don't have the ability to take in the truth of God's word in a manner that starts from the beginning and piecemeal gives it to them so that when you're saying, hey, listen, Jesus is the one who came for you so that you don't have to go to hell. At that point, because you've established contextually all along the way, guess what they're going to say? I get it. And whether or not they accept it is not on you, but now they have a full understanding of what the gospel means. You guys with me on this? 
So let me ask you a question, and, and, and I'm done. Not even looking at that, at, at that handout. Not even looking at that handout. How would you break down? How would you break down the story from the very beginning to the cross? Let's just do bullet points. How would you break that down? I have, I have eight. Not even looking at the creation of Christ notes I gave you. How would you break it down? Where does it start? Creation. Nope. Not yet. God. God Almighty. It starts with the one true God. Second one, in my opinion, would be creation. But we first, we start with, there is a God, and you are accountable to him. Right? Do you guys know why scientists in the world wants to get rid of God? So that we don't have to be accountable to our sin. You guys know that, right? There's an agenda. It's not just that they're trying to, you know, teach you that they're smart. There's an agenda. Man does not want to submit to God. Huh, surprise. That's been the case from the very beginning, right? Okay? So man doesn't want to submit to God. There is a God. He did create us. What's the next one in this timeline? The fall of man. The fall of man, right? We are now separated from God. What's the next step in this timeline? Huh? Birth? I can't hear you. I'm not trying to make fun of you. Okay, think about the Old Testament. What's the next step after the the law? The law of God. What was the point of the law? Huh? Okay, okay, it, it is in the creation of Christ series. It definitely shows us in, in with the law. What is the law though? What is, what is it? Bunch of rules. Okay, what else is it? Huh? It's something we need to be accountable to. The law of God. You know what the law of God is though? You guys catch this? The law of God is the character of God unfolded in his word. And so when, when God gave his law to man, he was saying, this is me. This is my character. And guess what man did? Failed miserably. You want to know why? Because we're not God and we can't follow it. But God gave us the law to say, oh, here's my law. This is who I am. I'm going to have you guys follow this. And what did Israel do? Israel fell away. And so we have, there is one God. He is our creator. There was a fall of man. God gave us a law that represented his character. After that, we have a failure of the law. Out of that, out of the failure of the law, guess who comes in? The hero, man. Jesus Christ comes in. Out of Christ comes what? The end of his life, the cross. And after the cross comes what? Salvation. Salvation, the resurrection. Do you guys see how simple we made this, this study? We start with God. We move to creation. We talk about the fall of man. We even, we, and if you wanted to, you could talk about the law and how the law was God's character, but man couldn't follow the law. You know what the law proves? That your good works are enough. That, that your good works are enough, but that you needed Christ who was the fulfiller of the law. And that he was going to die in your place and resurrect to save you from your sins.